encourage you to open up your Bibles and turn in them to the book of Jonah this morning. We'll be beginning a series in the book of Jonah, and this morning's text we'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as you once personally addressed Jonah by your word, we pray that you would help us to receive these verses and all the verses of Scripture as your personal word to us. Help us this morning to be attentive to what you say in your word to us. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to not just hear your word, but to do your word. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. This past Friday afternoon, our Stanton County Sheriff reported in a press release that he was patrolling Highway 275 earlier in the morning and had clocked a man on a motorcycle at 91 miles per hour in the highway's 65 mile per hour zone. And Sheriff Unger said that when he turned around to pursue the speeding motorcycle, he, instead of slowing down and pulling over, the man tried to run away and accelerated to speeds of more than 120 miles per hour on the highway before finally being forced to pull over and stop when he was taken into custody then at gunpoint. This definitely isn't the first time that I've read about people whom the Stanton County Sheriff's Office has attempted to pull over who instead of doing what they know they should do and pull over safely, they have instead tried to run away, to get away. Many of them ran away first in their vehicles or motorcycles, and then once their vehicles are forced off of the road, they try again to run away on foot. I don't think that uh, I've read about any of them yet who wasn't eventually tracked down and taken into custody. We know this, and yet so many of them still try to run away. Running away is unfortunately a common trait in humanity. Criminals run away from authorities. Husbands run away from their wives, and wives run away from their husbands. We run away from our commitments and our responsibilities. Children run away from their parents and their families, particularly when they are just old enough to be somewhat independent, but not yet old enough to know or to have enough wisdom to keep themselves out of trouble. So many today are running away from the truth, running away from reality, trying to build a new life for themselves upon a foundation of lies that is sure to end up in disaster. Many of us haven't gone anywhere. We haven't run away physically. We still come to church. We still go through the motions, and yet, yet inside, in our hearts, we have run away from the Lord. We, 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 we no longer listen to what he says. We know the right thing to do according to God's word, but we simply don't want to do it. 
And so we run away. We check out. The book of Jonah shows us that even servants of the Lord, those who know the Lord personally, even they run away. This little book is one of the most fascinating in all of the Bible because of the amazing story it tells and because, well, we can all relate to the main human character in the book. It is unique among the prophetic books in the Old Testament because it tells a story rather than simply relaying the prophetic message of God to his people. It seems like it belongs in the book of Kings or maybe the book of Chronicles rather than being its own book. Therefore, I believe God has used and will use this story to teach us about who he is, about who we are, and about how we are to respond to him and his mercy. So we'll begin this week just focusing on the very beginning of the book, where we learn here that even the Lord's servants attempt to separate themselves from the Lord and his word. So Jonah, this book is, is, is one story. It's a, it's a short story that you could read in just a few minutes, and you really aren't able to interpret the main point of the story until you get to the very end of it. So some would argue it was meant to be read and understood as a complete story. And I would agree with them. And we will do that eventually. But, but this short story also has remarkable lessons in the midst of it that I believe are very fruitful. Uh, they are truths that we need to pause and take in, and so we will move slowly through the book, but not too slowly. Uh, we will be finished with it before you know it, and if you miss a Sunday or two, you're really going to feel like we have sped through this book way too fast. So this morning, then, we're going to look at the first three verses, which focus on Jonah's response to the word of the Lord, his response to the word of the Lord. So we're going to take each, each verse one at a time here. The first verse, then, is the word of the Lord in Jonah. The second verse is the call of the Lord to Jonah. And the third verse, Jonah runs away from the Lord. So first verse, the word of the Lord and Jonah. Here it is again. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. The whole book begins with the word of the Lord. This is why the story would fit so very well in the book of Kings. Uh, as I have taught through uh, 1 Kings uh, all of last year in Sunday school and then uh, through the first seven chapters of 2 Kings in the first few months of, of this year, and we'll uh, pick it up again uh, later on this year, over and over again in the book of Kings, the word of the Lord seems to be the primary actor in the book. It is the word of the Lord that arrives on the scene at key moments in the story. The storylines are dominated by how the characters, in particular the rulers of the northern kingdom of Israel, respond to the word of the Lord. And it is always the prophets like Elijah and Elisha whom the Lord commands to deliver the word of the Lord to the evil rulers of the northern kingdom. 
So the book of Kings and uh, verse 1 of Jonah reveal something incredible that, that we must not overlook. That is that the God who is the creator of all things, the one who set the stars and planets in their places, the sovereign one who, as I read just this last week in Psalm 104, my daily readings, causes the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth. That is God. That is the Lord Almighty, the sovereign one providing for for all things, who, who does whatever he pleases. That God is personally involved in the world he created. So personally involved that he speaks to man. He gives his word to us. So as we begin the book of Jonah, we are introduced to the two main characters here right away. In the very first verse, they are the Lord and Jonah. When we encounter the Lord's actions, uh, the word that he reveals to Jonah and how he responds to what Jonah and the other characters do in this book, we are to know that it is the same Lord that speaks and acts throughout the Old Testament scriptures. The one who made a promise to Abraham that that all nations would be blessed through his offspring. The same God who then saved Abraham's offspring from oppression and slavery in Egypt and gave them the promised land. The same God who revealed himself to be both gracious and merciful and holy and terrifying in the wilderness when he revealed to them his law. And we see that the Lord doesn't just speak to hear himself talk. You may know someone like that where it seems, you know, they really have no purpose at all with why they are talking. You know, they're not advancing the conversation forward. They just continue to talk, maybe because they are afraid if they stopped, nobody would pay any attention to them. Well, that's not the case with the Lord. His speech is purposeful. His speech is directed right at Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai. And we are told in 2 Kings 14 that Jonah was a prophet, a prophet based in Israel during the reign of uh, Jeroboam, the son of, of Joash. That would be the second Jeroboam. This was during a time of prosperity for the northern kingdom uh, when the Lord promised to expand the borders and restore cities that had been taken over by their neighboring enemies. And Jonah was the one, he was the prophet, delivering the, this, this, this good news to the people. He was the one speaking the Lord's words to Israel at the time. Now we don't know whether the events of 2 Kings 14 took place before or after the events of this book. But what we do know is that in 2 Kings 14.25, Jonah was called a servant of the Lord. He had the great privilege of personally receiving and hearing the very words of God spoken to him and the incredible responsibility and joy to proclaim the Lord's words to others. He was, as it were, a mouthpiece for God. A mouthpiece for God. He was the one that God spoke through. He was like Moses, Samuel, Elijah, 
Jonah knew the Lord and was called by the Lord himself to be his servant and to speak his words. What's even more remarkable, though, is the privilege that, that you and I have. For while Jonah was receiving a, a few brief personal messages from God himself, which he was then called to proclaim, each of us here has access to God's personal word to all of his people. His all-sufficient, his, his complete word, which is able to make us wise for salvation and fully equipped for every good work that the Lord is calling us to do. We have the scriptures, the complete collection of all of God's revealed word to his people. And I wonder, what do you think of this book? What do you think of this book? What do you understand about just what a treasure you are holding in your hands this morning? What a treasure this book is. And it's not just a history book. It's not just a list of, of, of laws and rules. It's not just a book of stories to read to our children and grandchildren. But this is the Lord God's personal word to us. It's what he wants us to know. It's all that he wants us to know. J.I. Packer, one of my favorite theologians, uh, provides this helpful exhortation to us about the scriptures. He says, Christians should be grateful to God for the gift of his written word and conscientious in basing their faith and life entirely and exclusively upon it. Otherwise, we cannot ever honor or please him as he calls us to do. So friends, does the word of the Lord have that kind of importance, have that kind of influence in your life? It ought to. It ought to. And it must if you want to know God and please him. Second verse here, we see the call of the Lord on Jonah. The call of the Lord on Jonah. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. The word of the Lord that came to Jonah is a word of command. Giving Jonah specific instructions on what he is to do. The Lord tells him where to go. <clears throat> that is, to Nineveh, that great city. He is to go to a well-known, powerful, influential city with a large population. And it was a foreign city. 550 miles to the northeast of Jerusalem. It would take Jonah at least a month in order to travel there. Jonah would have to travel more like 800 miles around the desert in order to survive his journey uh, from Israel. And this was not a place that Jonah could just, you know, stop by in the next couple of days as he was making his rounds around the area. No, this would have been a very difficult journey to an unfamiliar place, to a foreign people who would have no fear of the Lord, no fear of God at all. That's where the Lord tells Jonah to go. The Lord then tells him what to do once he gets there. Once he gets there, he is to call out against it. 
Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. That is, he is not going to be a messenger of good news, but of bad news. He will proclaim the judgment and condemnation of God upon this city. His words will not be for the city, they will be against the city. This will not be an easy message to proclaim, but a very hard one. People back then were not much different from people today. We don't much like being told that we've done something wrong or that the way we've been living is in need of correction. But that is a message that the Lord was calling Jonah to proclaim to this city. He is to proclaim a message of doom and gloom. But why? Well, the Lord reveals that to us next. For, or because, their evil, or their wickedness, and this word could also be, be translated as disaster or calamity. It's a word that, that's used a lot here in this book. For their evil has come up before me, the Lord says. The Lord is fully aware of the actions of individuals, of rulers, governments, cities, and nations. He knows when we do what is right, and he knows when we do what is evil. And he is the sovereign judge. He is the authority who holds all people accountable. When we are troubled by the wickedness of people in our nation, like, like the more than 63 million babies that have been slaughtered through abortions since 1973, we're troubled by that. We can be sure the Lord knows. He knows. He knows all about it. That evil has come up before him. That wickedness is before his eyes. Or when we are concerned about the reports that we have heard from what's going on with the Taliban, uh, what they have done to Christians and to women and any uh, Afghanis who were allies of our nation the past several years since they've taken over the country. We can trust. The Lord knows. He knows all about it. Their wickedness has come up before him. And what was the evil of Nineveh? Well, the Lord doesn't give us details here uh, in this book of Jonah about what, what their evil consisted of. But we, what we do know from historical study and archaeological discoveries is that the Ninevites had quite a nasty reputation during this time period. Nineveh was a great city in the midst of Assyria. It was located about where the modern city of uh, Mosul uh, is located on the northern plains of Iraq, about 22, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 220 miles north of modern-day Baghdad. It seems the Assyrians in those days were quite proud of their reputation as being cruel and violent toward their enemies. They recorded many of their grisly exploits for posterity, which have now been discovered by archaeologists. Large stone wall panels have been discovered with carved depictions of grisly battle scenes. Uh, one historian calls it as gory and blood-curdling a history as we know. These records reveal that the Assyrians made parades of their defeated 
uh, enemies, requiring them to carry the dismembered heads of their fellow defeated countrymen um, on elevated poles. They boasted of their practice of stretching live prisoners with ropes so they could be skinned alive, which the skins were then displayed uh, on the city walls or on poles in the cities that they defeated. Pictures were displayed of piles of dismembered body parts or body parts impaled on poles. Some poles had as many as eight dismembered heads on them. The Assyrians had been enemies of the northern kingdom of Israel and had a history of incursions across the border. And in about 150 years after Jonah, would end up completely defeating Israel and carry off the population into perpetual exile. Nineveh was also quite a center of pagan or demon worship. It had two temples to the Assyrian gods of Ishtar and Nabu in the city. That's just a small sampling of their evil that had come up before the Lord. So knowing this about Nineveh, well, one thing is pretty clear to us. This would have been a tough assignment for Jonah to receive. This would not have been welcome news for Jonah from the Lord. You want me to go where and do what? May have been his response. And of course, the Lord knew full well how terribly difficult of a journey it would have been for Jonah. The Lord knew full well what the Assyrians and Nineveh were like. He knew of their, of their brutality. He knew their, their record of, of gruesome violence. He knew all about the gory and blood-curdling history of these people. In fact, he knew it better than Jonah would have. And yet he still calls Jonah to go. The Lord calls us to do hard things. The Lord calls us to do hard things. Following Jesus is not easy. In fact, he described it as taking up your cross daily, denying yourself, and being willing to confess with the hymn writer, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee, swift and beautiful for thee. I wonder, is that something that you can honestly sing? Take it, Lord, take my life. Tell me to do whatever it is you want me to do, and I will do it. I will go. Maybe the Lord isn't calling you to go to a godless, violent people to preach the gospel there. Maybe he's just calling you to, to quit some bad habit or humble yourself and seek to restore the broken relationship that you have with someone, or, or just keep getting up in the mornings to, to serve and care for the loved ones that he's calling you to serve. But it's not easy. The Lord calls us to do hard things. It's not something that you want to do. But we have the call of the Lord in his word. 
to do hard things. Verse 3 here then, Jonah runs away from the Lord. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. If you are familiar with the, the book of Kings and what happens when the word of the Lord comes to the prophets like Elijah and Elisha, uh, then your expectation for Jonah in verse 3 would have been for him to arise and go to Nineveh and call out against it. For that is usually what happens in First and Second Kings. The word of the Lord comes to the Lord's servants and they get up and they do exactly as the word of the Lord says for them to do. But not Jonah. Not Jonah. Instead of rising to go to Nineveh, verse 3 says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Historians are not quite as confident in uh, the location of Tarshish as they were about Nineveh, uh, but they all agree that it was in the opposite direction from Nineveh. Nineveh was an 800-mile journey to the east for Jonah. Tarshish was a port city probably in modern-day Spain across the Mediterranean Sea as far away west as Jonah could have gone at the time. It would be like if the Lord was calling you to go to Florida and you instead went to Alaska. Look at how determined Jonah was to go to Tarshish Instead of go to Nineveh, it's mentioned three different times here in one verse. Jonah was bound and determined to do the very opposite of what the Lord was calling him to do. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So we're also shown here that it wasn't Actually, Nineveh that Jonah was avoiding. It was God. He was fleeing or running as fast as he could away from the presence of the Lord. Now, Jonah knew the Lord. He knew that he couldn't really go somewhere where the Lord wasn't in some sense present. Uh, this was uh, several generations after King David wrote Psalm 139, which uh, makes clear that there isn't anywhere in creation where we can escape from the presence of the Lord. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. So therefore, uh, this may be referring to the temple in Jerusalem, which was the place where the presence of the Lord was known to dwell within the Holy of Holies in the midst of the temple in Jerusalem. Jonah may just be simply attempting to get away or get as far away as he can from the temple. However, I believe the author means something a little more than, than simply Jonah was separating himself from the temple. The temple is a part of it. Uh, Jonah will mention the temple in chapter 2 uh, a couple of times, but, but in the immediate context here, the temple isn't mentioned. What is mentioned, though, is that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. In verse 1, we then are told what, the, what that word entailed. And then in verse 3, Jonah flees, it says, 
from the presence of the Lord. So I believe we are to understand this as Jonah trying to run away or separate himself from the word of the Lord. I think we should always equate the word of the Lord with the presence of the Lord. Where the word of the Lord is, where it is faithfully preached, you will have the presence of the Lord there in a special way. That is what Jonah is trying to get away from. He wants to go somewhere where he will not hear the word of the Lord. He's getting as far away as he can from the place where he will be reminded of the word of the Lord, where he will encounter the Lord's people and the Lord's promises. It is as if he's trying to escape the sound of the Lord's voice. He wants to get to a place that will drown out that sound of God's word to him. He is seeking to go to a culture where he will not hear about God's faithfulness to his people or his commandments, or any reference to the Lord and his word at all. And we tend to use a similar strategy, don't we? When we know, when we know the Lord is calling us to obedience in a certain area of our lives, when we know that what we really want to do is sinful, and in direct opposition to the word of the Lord, well then, we, we begin to just simply avoid the word. We, we separate ourselves from the people and places that would remind us of what God's word says. We find other things to do on Sunday mornings. We, we avoid talking to our Christian friends who might ask us about you know, what's going on in our lives. When we are invited to a, a, a Bible study or encouraged to come to Sunday school, well, we give excuses for why we aren't able to do it. And when we surround ourselves with people of the world who are also running away from the word of the Lord themselves, So is that something that you have done? Maybe that's something that you are currently doing right now. In verse 3, our author emphasizes what is really happening to us when we separate ourselves from the presence of the Lord in his word. See that there in verse 3. It says, we go down. We go down which is a euphemism for, for death, the grave. But Jonah rose to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and then went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Two times there we hear that Jonah went down. And then we hear it again in verse 5 when we hear that Jonah had, had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and then had lain down, ultimately, as a result of Jonah's, Jonah's attempt to run away from the presence of the Lord, he will be thrown down into the sea. 
with each step Jonah is taking away from the presence of the Lord, he's getting one step closer to death, one step closer to destruction. And it's the same for us. It's the same for us when we try to separate ourselves from the Lord and his word. We are in grave spiritual danger. Turning away from the Lord will not lift you up. It will bring you down. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, we are introduced to the one who came to save us from our spiritual death. The one to lift us up out of the depths of our sin. And John refers to him as the one who was the Word. He says the Word was with God and the Word was God. And he was called by God the Father to do an immensely difficult thing. He went down. He went down from his place in heaven, all the way down, taking on flesh, laying down his life, being crucified on the cross in order to suffer the judgment of God for our sinful rebellion against the Lord and his word. He went down, down into the grave and rose again from the dead to lift us up from our graves of sin and death. He was the good shepherd who came to find us to find us, the, the, the runaway sheep who separate ourselves from God in our sin and our rebellion. He came down to bring us up from the dead, to bring us up from the pit of hell, to rescue us. Have you come to know him as your Savior? Have you heard his word, his word to you, to repent, repenting of your attempts to run away from him and then to come and follow him? Have you begun to run away from your life of rebellion and run towards him by faith in him, by faith in his saving work for you. His message to you was, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in the good news of salvation in me, in Jesus. The word of the Lord has come to you this morning. How will you respond? Let's pray. Now, Father in heaven, uh, as we've heard your word, as we've uh, meditated on running away from you, the danger that that brings to us, and hearing your call to return, to repent, to come back, to believe in our Savior and follow him. Well, Lord, I pray for each one of us here this morning that we would respond in faith, that we would trust that Jesus is the one who saved us, and that we would look to follow him, listening to his words. And by faith, the power of your spirit, doing what he says. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.